0: For scripture today, I want to read from Matthew 13, verses 44 through 52. Okay, Matthew 13, 44 through 52. And this will be Jesus speaking these words. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fisherman pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old.
1: Good morning, it's great to be back. Thank you for your prayers on our trip. We had a wonderful time and uh, we're blessed by that time away. Today is the last day of, or the last uh, Sunday of July, and just to kind of keep us tracking on our summer series on new vision and revitalizing as a church, this is a a wonderful theme for the not only the scripture today, but for the 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 place of uh, gathering. And we've been focusing on community this this last month. And uh, our outline says that revitalization requires the community to invite, assimilate, nourish, and celebrate treasures and growth as we seek. His will for the kingdom. There you have the word the kingdom. And we'll be talking about that quite a bit today. Uh, the kingdom of God and the intention of the kingdom of God and living in the kingdom of God is something that was very central to what Jesus was teaching his disciples. And he wanted to understand them to understand it very clearly because everything they did was based upon this. Their whole life, their ministry, anything they would do after Jesus was gone, and it's true for us, anything that we do, anything in life is based upon one clear understanding about what the kingdom of God was. The kingdom of God is, is a phrase, and sometimes it's also interchangeable with the kingdom of heaven, but it appears in Scripture some 53 times in the New Testament in the Gospels alone. And Jesus is usually the one that is referring to it because he knows it the best. And it's important for us because, look, we, we tire. We run out of gas. I lived one block away from the Rose Bowl parade for five years. Uh, of the parade, and um, we uh, would actually, the youth group that I was senior high youth director for would go and make uh, one of our fundraising projects was helping build floats, and they would get these huge warehouses, and you would walk in there, and there'd be like 10, 15 massive floats, and groups of people were working on all of these. And so I, you got to see the inner workings of how they create, I mean, flower petals, materials, craft materials of every kind to put these together. There, it's a huge undertaking. And how ironic it was that some number of years ago for the Rose Bowl Parade, there was actually a float that in the middle of the parade ran out of gas who didn't check the gas so that you were that on empty that you didn't notice this. The irony of it was that the company that sponsored that float was Standard Oil Company. (laughs) And isn't that a little bit like life for us? We have these vast resources we have this incredible multi-billion dollar company and we run out of gas. That's why Jesus thought it was so important for people to understand the kingdom of God. It's a vast resource that we have and yet so often we don't utilize it or understand it or employ it in a way that we have a constant flow of energy that comes gas that comes to us Uh, the the energy and the excitement and the hope and the encouragement it's there for us and it's so interesting because at the end of at the end of uh, this this uh, dialogue where Jesus is teaching the disciples he asks them this question do you understand this and they said, oh, yes, we do. Now, they would come to understand it over and over again repeatedly in new contexts, new ministry situations, new life situations, but the reality was that, that they wanted to, and I think they did to some degree, but they kept relearning it. And that's true for all of us on the journey of faith. We will understand the kingdom of heaven more and more as we go through life. But let's at least not give up the idea that there is this resource available. In Matthew 6, so our text this morning is from Matthew 13. In Matthew 6, you, you also have a, a, another sort of parallel. It says, starting at verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where mothed, and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It raises this question of what we truly treasure. I mentioned this statistic that the kingdom appears 53 times in the gospels um but um we think that that the kingdom sometimes is we we get to a point where we say well there's nothing more i can learn and this is really truly a human characteristic we establish a certain level of knowledge and understanding we get a degree in something or we get uh uh, an achievement, a, a championship of some kind. This is the pinnacle, right? Well, life goes on. Um, there, is always, there are always new things to explore and new things that we can understand. A shepherd boy near the Dead Sea found scrolls that were 2,000 years old. A diver off the Florida coast located a sunken 17th century Spanish vessel filled with silver And gold. Unfortunately he didn't get to keep all of it. uh, Or maybe not much of it. But a farmer plowing his field in Suffolk England. Struck a container that held beautiful silver dishes. Dating from the Roman times. The time of Jesus even. Um, We know that ancient Palestine was a country. That was frequently ravaged by war. So these these parables that Jesus is teaching are significant because um, there are a lot of questions about the parable itself, for example how do you how do you just go find a treasure in someone 's field um, and then of course, the most obvious question would be um, what was he why was he being dishonest by not disclosing to the owner when in fact in the, at that time um, that would be considered uh, the the owner d- didn't know it was there and wouldn't know it was there, so there is that debate. But in terms of in terms of their common law and practice, it was a matter of he didn't he didn't steal it from him. He bought the field at a fair price and and sold everything he had to be able to do that, uh, and so he did pay pay the farmer for what the the field was in fact worth to the farmer. Um, But in any case, um, these examples that parables Jesus has given is to help his disciples understand that the kingdom of heaven is not about the things of the kingdom of this world. There is nothing that we own that we will take with us. There's nothing of materials or anything else. that's why I think it's so interesting that that when they buried some of the kings and princes and 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 queens of um, uh, of the old kingdoms that they buried them in this tomb with all of these riches as if that's going to make a difference. Well, Jesus wanted. To make clear that the disciples knew what were the things that were worth pursuing, and in both of these parables, there is clearly an indication of dedication to a goal, a dedication to to give up everything they had in order to have something that they, they that they couldn 't even couldn 't even buy. He was giving them this example to say. Everything you have is worth giving up for the kingdom of God because that has to be enough. The church fathers, such as Ire- Irenaeus and Augustine, identified this treasure or this pearl as being Christ. Some would say as being God, that God wants a relationship with his people and he l- invites people into the kingdom on a constant basis of grace and forgiveness, and that's demonstrated through Christ. So I don't know if, you, if you've thought about this, but what is your greatest treasure? I used to have a little treasure box. I showed it one time here in church. I still have it. I wrote on the top of it in magic marker, treasure box. And I had little things in there like a, oh, a little miniature uh, planer. I had a souvenir pencil that was in there from, I think, the Museum of Science and Industry. I had uh, a little miniature Bible that was supposedly the smallest Bible in the world, just a teeny little thing. I had these great, great treasures. Um, I don't know what is yours, Well, what... What would you be willing to sell everything you own to be able to purchase that treasure? So Jesus is teaching his disciples a few things here. One of those is, and the the first one I'll mention, and these aren't the only lessons from these parables, but there are four that I want to draw out. The first is that we are to choose what our treasure will be. Now that sounds simple, but so often we don't actually make that as a choice for us. We we don't um, we don't actually think about um, the fact that um, well we've grown up in the faith. It's just always there. But have we made a choice? to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And and throughout the New Testament writings, you have Paul and, and Peter talking about in their writings about this change of identity that you once were an alien and a foreigner. You were once an outsider. You were once somebody who wasn't accepted and wasn't given approval of. But now you are a child of God and establishing that identity. It's something that we aren't forced to. We don't have to. It's something that we choose. For when we abandon all the trinkets of this world and we give up all of our favorite little treasures, um, we discover that there is an infinite treasure in knowing and experiencing God. So consider the cost of the many Christians who made that choice um, that they are going to choose their treasure in Christ and to to enter the kingdom of God is to accept the call to do God's will. Is it worth anything, is it worth everything to us to be able to say, I want to be found as a citizen of the kingdom of God? Uh, That's an important question. Paul proclaims in Philippians, whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, rubbish, garbage, garbage. Uh, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, and then for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So let's remember that this conversation uh, was with his disciples was teaching similar, something similar to what he taught the rich young man that came to him and, uh, and asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus eventually said to him, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So it's, he's, he's saying to this rich young man, make the choice and then follow me and be faithful in that choice. The beauty of this conversation is is um, that uh, is found in verse 21 of Mark 10 where Jesus looked at him and it says he looked at him and he loved him. I think that is not to be missed. That Jesus wasn't just doing this as as a legal requirement. He wasn't turning faith into something that you have to do Uh, or you won't be accepted. But Jesus, even before he told him to go and sell everything, looked at him and loved him. I don't know what all that means, except that I think that man experienced God's love through Christ. And uh, what a wonderful phrase. Jesus was telling him to give away everything he had, not because he hated him or wanted him to to be without things, but he was telling him to give away everything he had because he could then experience the true love of Jesus. So making the choice, and that is a bad term in these days. Evangelism is on the outs. Sharing our faith is considered radical and over the top. Uh, our culture is infringing. Satan is using uh, an awful lot of pressures to to shut the church up and to shut people of faith up and to make us be quiet about what we believe and why we believe it. I just read an article this week uh, that was interesting. I, I have so many questions that come up from this. I don't have answers for them, but it was very fascinating you all, many of you may know who Tom Hanks is, one of the top actors in in movie-making uh, history uh, and has had some major hits. He was Forrest Gump. He was a number of other characters. Um, and uh, in any case, I love this article because I don't know where Tom Hanks is in his faith or if he has faith, but I do know that this article was outlining the fact that his son basically was putting off any fame and fortune and basically made an explicit statement, the only goal of my life is to live for God. That was a clear decision that he made. Will we make that decision? Are we ready to make that decision again and again and again? Even if you did when you were 14, 15 years old, will you make it today? Secondly, Jesus is saying, we have to choose to let go of what is not our kingdom. You know, there were uh, natives, the natives in one of the African countries that um, would hunt monkeys and they would hunt them for their meat and um, they would place shiny objects in empty termite hills in full view of a whole tribe of monkeys and then move a little distance away and hide in the bush and it wasn't very long before a monkey would come and venture in to investigate and would see something shiny would slip their hand into the narrow slit on the side of the termite hill and grab hold of that shiny object. And then they would try to pull their hand out and their closed fist would jam up against the side of the opening of the hole and they couldn't pull it out. But they wouldn't let go. And the only way to remove their hand was to drop the prize they were clutching. And they would try and try, but they couldn't pull it out because they were not willing to drop the object, the, quote, prize they were going after. Now the hunter calmly walks over out of the bush, club in hand, and and toward the monkey. The monkey begins to panic and starts trying to jerk their hand out all the while clutching this treasure, and they end up becoming dinner, They end up losing their life for the sake of holding on to their treasure. What is it that we would hold on to? What is it that we would hold on to so dearly that we would lose our life or lose our salvation or lose our sense of calling and identity in Christ for the sake of that one thing. Because you notice that in these parables, they give up, they're willing to sell everything for this prize. Are we willing to give up everything? First um, Timothy 6.17 says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. And in 1 Timothy 6, he, he also says, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires will plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and placed themselves with many griefs. So we need to choose clearly. We also need to give, decide that we're willing to give up the things that are not of the kingdom of God, that we won't take with us, that are not ours. They're only, we've only borrowed them for a short time. Will we give all of that up Uh, to be able to embrace God's kingdom and embrace Christ. Third thing that Jesus is teaching is to choose to center our lives around the kingdom treasure. The fact that they're willing to sell everything was saying, wow, there goes my home, there goes my, you know, whatever I own, I'm willing to give it all up for this one great treasure. In other words, they the goal of the prize of the kingdom of heaven is what Jesus is saying is, is it am I willing to not just give up things but to be able to actually make this the central part of my life? Whether it was a pearl or whether it was, uh, you know, this great, whatever the treasure was that was in the field, to be able to, uh, to center our lives around around that thing. Proverbs 8, 10, and 11 says, take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. Um, And in Colossians, Paul says, verse 2, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. Wow. Read that over a few times again, Colossians 2, 2-3. to That was his goal, was that all may be encouraged by his ministry and his writing uh, toward being united in love. And you want to say, okay, here's the other thing that's under attack. Community and churches are under attack. Uh, Not just for what they believe, that's part of it, but they're under attack by separating and getting these people, stop gathering like that. Stop doing the things that the early church did in In Acts 4, stop getting together, praying together, meeting together. Stop sharing all these prayer concerns about other people in your classes or in the congregation. Um, Stop sharing all of that. Disconnect, separate, distance. They're gonna weigh you down. You don't need all of that. Bust it up, break it up, single people out. Get them separated. And what Paul was writing about What Timothy uh, was teaching consistently was that there is something of greater value and that value is that the kingdom of God is reflected in the community of people gathered. We reflect that. I'll say a bit more about that. But everything in your life worth anything at all will cost you something. And that cost maybe our job, our dreams. Um, each of these things that require a sacrifice on, on our behalf, some of those things cost money. Uh, others require a sacrifice of time and commitment. But anything of value is worth giving. And that's why Jesus wanted his disciples to understand You're going to be following up and doing ministry with churches and sharing this faith with other people. Are you ready for that? Do you understand that you're choosing to make this the central thing of anything else in your life? Fourth, Jesus is basically teaching us to choose to help others and find their treasure. Now, this is a bit of a... Stretch pun intended, and you'll know, you'll get the pun in a little bit, but um, we often don't like uh, it's an inconvenience sometimes for us to to choose to help other people find their treasure, but throughout all of the scriptural writings and throughout all of jesus' teaching, even to the point where he said. The greatest is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is equal, love your neighbor as yourself. The whole purpose of community is to empower and strengthen one another into centering our lives around the kingdom of God. And in that, we can be encouraged and strengthened in a way that nothing else will provide for it. And that isn't easy for us. There's a lot of things we don't like. And sometimes people we don't like. Ways we don't like. Laws we don't like. And it's tough. Because if anything is worth believing, it's worth living. And that is the hardest part for us is to put into practice the kingdom of God his word his will his way so I've got a couple of people coming up uh, this about three or four if anybody else wants to come join them please come on up at this time they're going to be helping us uh, understand a little bit more about what we're called to do Um, yeah just come on up now um I'm giving them something called a rubber band. I don't know if you've heard of those before. Here you go, I've got a... There's a couple more. You can pass those out. A couple more. Yeah, no. Yeah, here, I'll even keep a couple. Um... I'm going to have them demonstrate something. What is the purpose of this? This is the biggest rubber band I could find. Sorry, they do make bigger ones, I, I think, but I'm not sure. Uh, I'd like you to go ahead and do the activity that we talked about earlier. So yeah, go ahead. What do you think the purpose of rubber bands is? Y'all got them all shot off? Can't quite reach the balcony. Um, how valuable, and I hear I didn't even keep one to, to demonstrate, but how valuable uh, do you think a rubber band is uh, if it is not stretched? What, what would be the purpose of it? There, there's two primary purposes that I think of. One of those is to hold things together, right? To bind something together, hold it together. The second one, though, is um, to be able to propel something outward. It could be a paper wad, which we used to do in school. Just telling on myself here a little used to love to make those really tight paper wads that if they hit you just right could leave a welt. Um, but thanks you guys, you can, you can go back and sit down. Uh, yeah, good job, awesome. The purpose of a rubber band, bind things together, extend things or shoot things further out, whether it's the rubber band itself. But the only way that they do either of these functions or any other function that you can think of. There is no purpose in a rubber band if it is not stretched. Here's the other thing. Without stretching those rubber bands that they all just shot out there, you would not be reached. Jesus wanted the disciples to understand that it wasn't going to be easy for them, that it was going to be hard, that they would be persecuted. He wanted them to understand that they would have everything taken from them. They would have no treasures left in their life at times, sitting in jails. And he wanted them to understand that even then, you have the kingdom of God, the riches of his kingdom. It will stretch you. You may not know what to say. You may not know how to encourage someone, but you stretch yourself to basically do what is not comfortable for you to do because God is shaping you into a kingdom member, a kingdom disciple, a kingdom teacher, And that stretching doesn't feel the greatest. But what it does is designed to go out and reach more and more people. Jesus was telling them, choose to help others find their treasure, their true treasure. And so we are stretched by that challenge. I love Brandon Lake's song, uh, graves into Gardens. And I'm just share a few of those words to that song. Um, he starts by singing, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing in, that is better than you. I'm not afraid, he said, he sings, to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all. And you still call me Friend. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley and there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. That's the kingdom of God. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You're the only one who can. There is nothing that is better than you. I believe that we, being part of the kingdom of God, is one of the greatest and most fulfilling joys because we have the opportunity to share that kingdom with others and to be shot out of cocoons and out of our comfort zones and out of our safety and out of our, uh, all of our preferences To be able to meet people where they're at, love people where they're at, and nurture them into God's kingdom. You know, um, there was an article that came out some years back uh, about a guy by the name of Rob Cutshaw. He owned a little roadside shop outside of Andrews, North Carolina. Like many in the trade, he hunted for rocks and then he would sell them to collectors for jewelry. Um, He knows knows about rocks and and can decide which to pick up and which to sell. He's no expert, but he leaves the appraising of rocks to other people. As much as he enjoys it, it doesn't always pay the bills. He was on the dig at one point uh, a number of years ago, and he found a rock he described as purdy, and big, birdie and big, is the way he said it, and um, he um, he uh, picked up this rock not really knowing what it was, uh, and he kept the rock under his bed or in his closet, and he guessed the blue chunk could probably bring as much as maybe even $500, but he would have taken less if somebody if something urgent came up. And that's how close he came to actually selling this rock for peanuts Um, until he decided to have someone take a look at it. And um, what it turned out to be was the largest, most valuable sapphire ever found. The blue rock that he had almost abandoned to the darkness and had for quite a while to his closet two decades earlier, is now known as the Star of David, Sapphire. It weighs almost a pound and could easily sell for just under $3 million, maybe even more today. This was 20 years ago. It was there all along. It was there in his closet. It was there under his bed. It's there all along. It's in our hearts, in our minds. The presence of God is with us at all times. What if, what if, and I give you this in closing, what if we came to all of our church functions, worship, classes, small groups, fun activities, fellowship times, what if the first thing on our minds every time we walk in the doors or join a group is we actually think about the fact that for everyone we meet there are treasures in them to be used and drawn out for the purpose of God's kingdom. And maybe, maybe our way of relating is a key that will turn the lock and open it up and discover that here is a star of David. Here is a sapphire. Here is a precious stone. Here is a kingdom child that is just waiting to be unleashed as a believer and as someone who serves and as someone who has gifts and abilities to be able to use. What if, if every time we walk in the doors, we would be Consciously saying, Lord, who can I help reach? Who do you want me to stretch myself for to be able to reach and unlock that and discover the value? Because in God's kingdom, that value is based upon not just a relationship with Christ, but a commitment to serve and to do God's will. Maybe, just Maybe there would be a revival, a revival that is so powerful because we are committed not to all of the other things that are, we hold on to, but we're committed to the treasure that we find in Christ's work within our lives and those around us.